traffic-loving people, it is we here for another episode of the Driving You Crazy Podcast. I am Denver 7 traffic anchor Jason Luber. I am Denver 7 pedestrian advocate Joseph Peters. They're going to have to change the name of this studio from shoebox to sweatbox, man. I, have, I need to take this coat off. You it probably do. burning up in here. It is warm. Yes, it is very Ooh. warm. Yeah, it's, it's not the most optimal, and, and the air circulation is not... Great either, but if you uh, mention anything about anything about the building to the building guy, Dennis. It's your fault. Oh, you are in big trouble. He he berated. I was just trying to tell him about a couple of things that happened uh, in the men's room on the first floor yesterday. (laughs) <laughs> and he jumped on me like I like I had done it. it and I all I did is I started off. You might want to have uh, go take a look at the men's room on the first floor. I don't have time for riddles. Riddles. I don't have. Oh, he just lost his mind on me. <laughs> lost his mind. <laughs> this guy is just either under too much pressure or taking the job too seriously. The riddle of the first floor men's bathroom. Okay. <laughs> Dennis ain't got time for that. Exactly. I Lord. think we're gonna have to call out. Who is it? Was it Chris Hansen that does those? <laughs> you know, <laughs> something like that. I don't know. Anyway, so I have a story to tell you, Joseph. Beautiful. So a couple of weeks ago, I went over to Sam's to go get some new tires. Okay, so I had the original Goodyear Fuel Max tires on my on my Volt. I wanted something that's better in the snow, so I went with these Pirelli P4 tires that were on sale. Just $115 each. I think that was pretty reasonable. It includes, because I got it at Sam's, it includes the balancing and the and the future rotation and flat repair. And it covers all of that. Not like you go over to Discount Tire or one of the other ones and they say, well, that's going to be an upcharge, and this is an upcharge, and this is an upcharge, and there's another upcharge for you, and then we'll put them on for you. So they, they at least didn't do all that stuff, okay? Well, all seemed normal. They looked great. The tires did when they were on the car. So I started driving. And when I get to the uh, on the highway, the car was pulling a bit to the left. Okay, and I was thinking, all right, well maybe the new tires were a bit out of balance, or maybe they knocked the alignment out of a, a little bit, right? And and last week I had to go get the oil changed in my car anyway, my one nine month oil change on the on the Volt. So I, I had them do the alignment at the same time, right? The tech said the car pulls because he drove it before and after. I have the dash cam video mm-hmm. of him test driving it before and after the alignment. Um, so that's the another bonus okay. of having a dash cam. So the tech said it pulled left before and after and suggested that the problem is something he called tire pull. Tire pull. Have you ever heard of tire pull? No, but it does seem pretty self-explanatory, right? Right. You would think so. I've never heard of it before either. So I had to look it up. And what tire pull is, is when a tire, they say, it can end up being a touch out of shape. That the tire was, when it was formed, when it was made by the manufacturer, instead of it coming out like like a perfectly round sphere, I guess not a sphere, what, what I, I guess perfectly round, right? Mm-hmm. It's a, a touch cone shape, either on one side or the other, and that cone shape is what will draw the car to the left or the right, depending on where it is on the car, but that cone shape is what makes it pull. That's why okay. they call it the tire pull. Um and, and so I, I'm like, okay, it's, it must be some kind of a tire defect. That's what Tire Rack calls it, a defect. And the only thing really to do is to go through these steps to find out which tire it is and then replace the tire under the warranty, and then and then we would move on with our lives, right? Right. That seems pretty simple. Yes. So I went back over to Sam's, and the guy over there says he's never heard of that problem, 
and he and he's been doing tires for six years. You know, right expert. He there. is a he is a you know right there in the six year expert level, and he's never heard of this problem, and 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 so I must be completely off my rocker. That that I'm coming to him with this with this problem. Right, you made up a different tire guy who made up a problem, and then you went to the Sam's guy to try to sneak one past him, you <laughs> devil. <laughs> exactly. So so he agreed to look at the balancing of the tires and, and to see how that goes. So so when they were done, he, they took all the tires off. They did the balancing again. He actually said two of the tires were out of balance, but he didn't think it was enough to make the tire pull. So I left, and when I hit the highway. Bam, there it is. I, the car still pulled to the left. And so I'm getting more frustrated at this point. All I want is it fixed. I just want to be able to drive down the interstate, let go of my steering wheel, and, and have it go straight. I don't want it to pull to the left or pull to the right. I just want it to go straight. Right. Right? That's all I want. So I called the other day, and the same guy, I had to talk to him again, the same guy, and... and and I even told him to look up the article I found on Tire Rack. I said, look, this is tire pull. This is how they say it di- to diagnose it. This is the problem. It's all there in print. All you have to do is go look it up on the, the old internet there, which I'm sure they have. And <laughs> Sam's go, Club and all. You would, you would think they would have that. and, and Because really, he was treating me like I was making all this up. And that I should just shut up and go away. But I, I was insistent that this is a problem. So, he eventually agreed to replace the two front tires on the car, and we'll see if that solves this issue. But they didn't have an appointment in the last couple of days. I have to wait till Friday to go get it done. So, you eventually berated this man until he gave Not you Not really. Two. No, I was no, I was just insistent that there is a tire pull problem, <laughs> and this is a warranty issue, and that it shouldn't cost him any money because he should just turn the tires back into Pirelli and they'll give them their money back. Is he working on Friday? Did he just schedule you an appointment with somebody who's not going to know what's going on and you're going to have to go through this whole rigmarole again? Yes. I, I'm, I'm most definitely sure that is exactly what's going to happen. Because <laughs> when I first called, I got some Yahoo that probably didn't have nearly six months of tire experience. He actually worked in the produce six, department. Yeah, let alone the six years that this guy thinks that he is now the tire world's greatest tire expert. And so I, I'm optimistic. I guess I'm... I, I'm more than I, I guess I'm I'm um oh, what's the right word here I'm uh, cautiously optimistic okay. that this is going to fix the problem cautiously but with my luck it's going to be one of the rear tires that is that are the ones that that's out of whack and it's not one of the front tires and the tire and the, the car's still going to pull and, and then I'll then where am I going to be. You should have them replace those two tires too, just to be safe. <laughs> That's what like I just, want them to do. Just to be make sure that this problem doesn't pop up again. And you know what? I'm not so also convinced that they're just going to have me come in there and they're going to do some kind of a switcheroo, and they're going to say they put their tires on there, they took the old ones off and put some new ones on, and really, in essence, they did nothing. They sat around, smoked a couple of cigarettes, had some coffee, and then sent me on my way. Right. They drove it into the secret garage that you can't see from the waiting room. Right. So they could not change the tire and try to pull one over on you again, I, there, I, Jason. I'm still gonna bring that tire. I printed a, the the the, uh, uh, the paper. I I printed out from Tire Rack, and, and maybe I'm just gonna lay it up there on the counter. Just just maybe they'll pick it up and take a look at it. So if it happens again, maybe they'll be educated on this thing. So the next person won't have to deal with it. Maybe that's what I am. I am I am blazing a trail here. 
for the next person that has to deal with this issue if they dr- drive and, and buy another set of Pirellis. You should try to get that guy fired, too. <laughs> oh, just like people have tried to get me fired? Yeah, just a one-man crusade against the tire guy who's worked at Sam's Club for six years. Yeah, well, he said maybe he hasn't been there at Sam's for six years, but he's definitely had six years of tire experience. Mm. So that's that's good. Mm. You know, I had one of the morning show directors, Bobby, he was saying that he never buys from Costco or Sam's because he thinks they only get, like, old, used, expired tires, and that's how they can sell them for low prices. That would make sense, right? I, I, I don't know. I, I would think that I, the tires had the little sticker like it's a new tire on it. I don't think they can sell old expired tires. No, but they can sell tires that, like, don't go through the same quality control checks as the other tires. So that you, don't, you can't tell if they're a little bit misshapen. Oh, they're like uh, the tires you would get at the outlet store. Well, it's like how you buy a shirt from the Gap at the Nice Mall, and right. all the, like, stitching is all good. And you buy a Gap from the outlet store, and you run it through the washing machine once, and all of a sudden you got strings hanging all over the place. So you buy the tires at uh, Big O Tires or Discount, and you're you're rolling straight. Yep. You buy them at Sam's, and you're pulling to the left. You got strings all over the place, yes, sir. All I all I know is this has been a hassle, just like my whole some lady hits my car at a parking spot that still has not been resolved yet. Three and a half weeks later, where I have not heard from their Geico insurance company to tell me when I'm supposed to go get my t- car fixed. It's just a hassle. It's an un necessary hassle in my life this is why we need the hyperloop oh yeah that would make all this better (laughs) no tires (laughs) well speaking of tires in my car i don't have a spare tire Uh, do you do you have a well you don't have a car well but we do have a spare tire in the jetta oh okay yep i have they what they give me is an air compressor they have an attachment one that will just blow the air because i use that to blow up the raft sometimes before we go to the pool Mm -hmm. and then they have another one that has that like fix a flat goop in it that it sprays in the tire and then at the same time it inflates it so i guess that's supposed to give you enough time to drive to a place where you can get the tire changed or get help well many of the new cars are going this way apparently and and nearly a third of new vehicles no longer come with a spare tire as standard equipment and and that's that's going up every year what car companies are doing is they say they're trying to reduce the weight in the car and that helps make it more fuel efficient and that they can tout those numbers out when they sell their cars as they get better gas mileage. Okay. Well, the problem is that having more drivers without those spare tires is that more of these drivers are getting stranded when they get a flat and they have no idea how to handle it. Because there are a lot of people, especially women, who don't know how to change a tire, don't want to change a tire, and they can't use that air compressor thing to fill up their tire and then take it for help so they'll call like AAA for help to be clear plenty of dudes too don't know how to fix a tire. that yes you're right <laughs> there are plenty of dudes too and AAA says this is a major problem and that with these more people stranded they're relying on these towing companies to come rescue them and there's really not enough of these tow people to help them out the question i have is will spare tires eventually disappear altogether probably i mean you would think so right it seems like the push is to have more people on AAA or more people relying on these toes, and realistically, the price of those is getting a little bit cheaper. They'll go the way of the A-Track yeah. or the cassette player. Um, I, I think, like you said, probably yes, that not only don't car makers like the additional weight, but they don't like the added cost when they feel there are alternatives to either full-size or the smaller donut spares like these compressor things. And, and many new vehicles like mine, we have that tire pressure monitoring system. 
that, that will alert you if you have low pressure in your tire. It shows you how much you have that little dial that shows you different things of your car, like how much mileage you've gone. And that, well, there's a little dial that shows you what the pressure is for each of your tires and even will give you a warning if it gets too low. That's really convenient. Yes, it's really good. I use it all the time, especially when it gets cold out because you can see the pressure has gone down because of the colder air. Less, you know, blah, 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 blah. Right. Some fancy cars and trucks come with standard run flat tires now, which offers about 100 miles of range to find a repair shop if you do get a flat. They, they cost more because they're reinforced with this. When they lose pressure, they're reinforced so they don't just shred mm-hmm. like some of those cars' uh, tires do because they can support the weight of the car. But the bigger problem, I think, is that when someone has a problem with their car, they immediately call for roadside assistance because they don't know how to change a tire, troubleshoot what might be wrong with their car. And and I saw this very sexist stat here, Joseph. About 97% of men say they can change a tire. I think that's a little high. That's a lie. That's that's 97% of men say that, and 45% of men are liars. (laughs) And they say that... 68% 68% of women say that they can change a tire. Uh, that's That seems also a little bit hot. It's not changing the t- car that's the hard part. It's jacking the car up so you can get the tire off in the first place. It's the hard part. Well, and sometimes those lug nuts, because when you get them installed originally, they have these torque lug nut right, things, yeah. you know, that they, they tighten them pretty good. And they're hard to get off sometimes. Uh, yeah, but, I mean, to me, again, the, the difficult part is figuring out how you're going to lift this 3,000-pound machine a little bit off the ground just so you can slip the tire off. Lug nuts are easy. Five off, five on. Five right? off, five on. There you go. Uh, all right, here's not a good story. Criminal investigators with the Colorado Public Utilities Commission issued a civil penalty against Uber, totaling $8.9 million. It's really to the parent company of Uber. For allowing individuals with disqualifying criminal or motor vehicle offenses or without valid driver's licenses to drive for the company. Yay! Congratulations, Uber, for having criminals driving your cars. <laughs> go on. <laughs> I love this story, but go on. There, there were 57 Uber drivers over the last year and a half who should not have been permitted to drive for the company. The company was cited $2,500 a day. For each day, a disqualified driver was found to have worked. So the PUC, Transportation Enforcement Staff, launched this investigation earlier this year after a referral from the Vail Police Department about an Uber driver who was accused of assaulting a passenger. The PUC staff found that Uber allowed individuals to drive with previous felony convictions, moving violations like DUI, reckless driving, driving under restraint, and numerous instances of individuals driving with suspended, revoked, or canceled driver's licenses. And that's like that's a lot of words, right? And, and some of these things are redundant. But basically, you've got people with long histories of DUIs who are getting behind the wheel of an Uber car and driving you from point A to point B right at the same time as the bars let out. That's a bad idea. You're not supposed to have people with felony convictions driving Uber cars. That was happening, too. One of the guys that was busted in this had literally escaped from prison escaped from prison and jumped right behind the wheel of an Uber and started taking me and my boys six blocks to the restaurant. Are like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding? How does this happen? And Uber, the most galling part of it is that this company claims that they actually discovered the error. Uber found the error, and Uber was kind enough to let the state of Colorado know, hey, look, we messed up, so just tell us how much you want us to pay. 
and we'll take care of it, because we're sorry. So nice of you, Uber, after letting an escaped prisoner drive one of your cars. It's the same thing where they also had that data breach and then also paid off the hackers so nobody would find out about it. Right. For a year. Yeah. And, and, then, and then they fired the guy who did it. Like, like it's not a culture of rot within the company. Like, it's just the one guy's idea. I'll take this ransom money so that nobody <laughs> finds out that I gave away 57 million people's email addresses. Give me a break. Here's the statement from Uber. Quote, we recently discovered a process error that was inconsistent with Colorado's ride-sharing regulations and proactively notified the Colorado Public Utilities Commission. This error affected a small number of drivers, and we immediately took corrective action. Per Uber safety policies and Colorado state regulations, drivers with access to the Uber app must undergo a nationally accredited third-party background screening. We will continue to work to enable access to safe, reliable transportation options for all Coloradans, unquote. Under Colorado law, the transportation network company must perform a criminal history record check prior to allowing any person to act as a driver for the company. The company must also obtain and review a driving history report for individuals before they are allowed to drive, and drivers must have a valid driver's license. Uber's background checks also failed to identify a number of aliases used by their drivers, including that one driver that you talked about who was a convicted felon, a habitual offender, and at one point in his past, he escaped from the Colorado Department of Corrections, like you said. Nevertheless, after he was released from prison, he became a driver for Uber, driving you from the bar to your house and not doing anything criminally minded that you would be worried about. Now, not while he was on the clock, right? <laughs> Jeez. Uber apparently can pay 50% of the fine within 10 days to resolve the case, or the company can request a hearing before an administrative law judge to contest the judgment. I have a feeling they are going to go for the half-off and do the Black Friday sale and take 50% off and pay that. Because what's $4.5 million when you're talking about 100 for the whole uh, hacking deal? For the record, the Public Utilities Commission looked into Lyft, too, according to our partners at the Denver Post. Didn't find a thing. Not a single problem like this. So maybe I should just start riding <laughs> Lyft. Trust Lyft is all I'm saying. Lyft maybe is a better, better option for Amen. us at this point. I don't know. Uh, it's just disgusting, man. Well, as a couple of guys in TV, we know the pressure from management to use social media as much as possible, right? Especially use it when we're covering a story like, let's say, a breaking news story. We had a big breaking news story today where we had an interstate shutdown. Trains were delayed. You got to Facebook it. You got to tweet it. You got to put it on Instagram if you can. Find other ways to communicate it with your uh, audience, so to speak. Yeah, but the problem with... Many of these reporters, especially the younger ones who are just starting out and having grown up with social media their entire lives, they don't have the experience to know when and when not to post selfies during a breaking news situation. I give you this perfect example. Last week, there was a massive traffic accident on a foggy expressway in China that left 18 people dead and 21 others injured. Our local radio station sent one of their traffic reporters to cover the story. And during a break, that female reporter took and posted a couple of pictures to her social media accounts, posing in front of the burned-out wreckage of the crash with a smile on her face while making a peace sign and holding up her press badge. Terrible. Two Terrible. words. Bad idea. 
I mean, that is just just what are you thinking? There are levels to these kinds of things, right? Like, and on a scale of one to five, that's a five, man. That's yeah. that's awful. That is somebody who either has not faced that kind of tragedy, had that in their life, or is so just has a disregard for people's lives or feelings or humanity in general. Or just a lack of awareness of them. Yeah. I mean, that's what it smacks up to me is just somebody who did not understand what she was dealing with, how many lives were affected by the situation, and that it's not really a time to be flashing up a peace sign. And there are a, a lot of pressures on reporters and us in, in, in TV to do this, to always post to the social media all the time, because they are always hammering us about how it translates from social to TV and back and forth. And it really didn't take too long after that picture hit the internet for the public outrage to take over. The radio station announced that it had then fired the reporter for her behavior, which had caused a, quote, negative impact on society, unquote. Before being fired, the former reporter uploaded a short video apologizing for what she had done. But the apology was not quite accepted by many because it didn't really seem, even though I don't know Chinese, you could just tell from the way she was talking that it just didn't seem like she really believed the apology. Quote, don't you have any professionalism? Was this all a joke to you? Wrote one person. This apology is not sincere in the slightest. You are only sad for your own sake, argued another. So here's my advice to all of you journalists out there. No selfies at murder scenes. No. No selfies at a deadly crash. Uh, No selfies at a plane crash where somebody may have died. Uh, anytime the situation is, let's say, not good or life-threatening, probably a good idea, no selfies, including taking pictures with, let's say, you're at a breaking news situation where all the reporters from all the stations or maybe even some national friends have come uh, from around, or you have, let's say, you're at a national plane crash, something big, really, really big, right? Right. And you have... Uh, a, a group of reporters that maybe haven't seen each other in a while. Don't take pictures in front of all these uh, this bad situation and then post it. Hey, look who! Look at my best friend as I'm covering this deadly plane crash. Don't take pictures of your food either. Just stop. <laughs> Just stop. <laughs> stop already. Yeah, posting pictures of the scene and treating it as a news event is fine, but it isn't fine when you're treating a serious event like you're at Disney World. The more you know. Mm -hmm. Coming up, why is it a big deal for your train to leave the station on time and not 20 seconds early? We'll look into that and so much more as the Driving You Crazy podcast continues. I'm Amanda Del Castillo, and you're listening to the Driving You Crazy podcast with Jason Luber. People say, you get up at 2 in the morning to do this? You must get used to that by now. No. We hate getting up at 2 in the morning. We hate being here at 3 a.m., except we like our jobs, and we like the people we're working with, and we have a lot of fun. We should probably sell tickets to the show during the commercial break. We couldn't air all that material, could we? But it's still a lot of fun. And we're just committed to making sure that, you know, you get your, you started off on your day correctly. So it's worth it to us to get in here before the sun even comes up to put it all together for you. 
Mitch Jelnicker, only on Denver 7. My favorite part is watching the interaction between everyone because I think you guys have a fantastic sense of humor and I think you just jive really well because if you're sitting at home, I'm in my PJs and in my coffee and I want to look up and I want to see these people who I feel like I know on the morning show and they're just talking to me and they're having a great time and they're also telling me what I need to know to be prepared for my day and what I need to know in my community. Connor Wist, only on Denver 7. Welcome back to the world famous Driving You Crazy podcast brought to you by our new sponsor. Yeah, no sponsors. Maybe I should start making up companies and fake commercials. I've been saying that for weeks. I, 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 you know, I could do a good, I could do was like, hi, I'm Ron Apple. And if you need uh, slacks, you need to come get Ron Apple slacks. Do you want pants that aren't slacks? I can't help you. If you need slacks, I have slacks at Ron Apple slacks. I think that would be a great sponsorship. And I could do those spots like that if I could just find Ron Apple and his slacks store. You'd have to shoot some commercials to upload to the official Driving You Crazy Twitter account in which you, in slow motion, are throwing footballs in those Ron Apple slacks. (laughs) (laughs) A little Brett Favre action. Uh, Yeah, especially now during Thanksgiving. I think it would be perfect. Ron Apple slacks. And it can be a turkey catching the ball. You want shorts? You want pants? We don't have that. We have slacks. Ron Apple slacks. I picture Ron Apple also <laughs> selling Hawaiian shirts. I don't know why. I know these weird things come to my mind all the time. Well, you know, Thanksgiving is upon us here, Joseph. So for, happy Thanksgiving to you and everybody. Uh, and, and if you're planning to beat the crowds, you should, well, leave right now. And since this is a podcast, I don't know when now is for you. And when you're listening, so instead I'm going to say that the brain trust over at Google has determined that the best time to leave to avoid traffic for Thanksgiving was at 6 a.m. on Sunday. That was the best time. Well, missed that one by a few days. Traffic, they say, has been getting getting progressively worse every day until 3 p.m. on Wednesday when they think that is the worst time to leave. Even though I saw some pictures on Tuesday of traffic in L.A., which was abysmal. I mean, and it, to your point, Wednesday is going to be worse. Wednesday is going to be bad. I, I can't imagine being on the roads over the Thanksgiving weekend. Now, they say the best time to leave to come back home is 6 a.m. on Friday after Thanksgiving. Since Google isn't a real-life person, just an algorithm spitting out data that has no idea how impossible it's going to be to head home at 6 a.m. on Friday after Thanksgiving. <laughs> Google doesn't have a belly full of turkey. That's what I'm saying, man. Google isn't hanging out with a family and wanting to stay there for the entire weekend. It's hard enough to wake up after a nap after eating turkey. How are you going to wake up after Thanksgiving dinner? You might have better luck trying to convince people to walk to Hawaii than get them out of bed at 6 a.m. on the Friday after Thanksgiving. You know what used to get people out of bed the Friday after Thanksgiving? Deals. Right. And now nobody cares about Black Friday anymore. No, because it's everything's done online. That's the shopping hack of the year, though. And you're hearing it here first on the Driving You Crazy podcast. Do your Thanksgiving shopping or Christmas shopping on Thanksgiving. The stores are open. They think that they're going to get this crush of people. People just aren't going to be there. You're going to be walking around the aisles of Walmart by yourself buying six TVs because there's nobody to fight with. Did you? I, I read a story uh, about REI, how they are not open not only Thanksgiving, but they're also not open on Friday. Well, good for them. 
<laughs> the rest of the world will be shopping, whether it's from the comfort of their own home or at the friendly local strip mall. And either way, there will be plenty of deals to be had. And, and it sounds like even not only their stores, brick and mortar stores, but also their online store is going to be closed on uh, at REI, giving all their employees that time to uh, be outdoors, I guess. You cannot see me eye rolling on the <laughs> podcast. Google sent me an email saying that the best day to leave Denver is on Thanksgiving Day at 6 a.m. And the worst day to leave Denver is the day before Thanksgiving, Wednesday, at 3 p.m. They say the best day to return to Denver is the Sunday after Thanksgiving at 6 a.m. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. You, could, you could maybe manage that one. Way more reasonable than the day after at 6 a.m. You Really, you want to leave whatever time the Broncos are playing. Because well, it doesn't be matter any anymore. There used to be no traffic during Bronco games, but they suck so hard, it doesn't. nobody's watching the games anymore. Right. Like I mean, the team, it doesn't matter anymore. No, it, exactly. <laughs> now, if they were winning, it would matter, but they don't. They say the worst day to return home to Denver is the Saturday after Thanksgiving at 3 p.m. And if you're flying, the Wednesday before Turkey Day is the worst day to fly. Consider flying on Thanksgiving for cheap flights and less crowds. Sunday, they say, will be the busiest with the highest potential for delays, crowds, and frustration. If you can manage it, flying home on Monday could be much cheaper and easier. And it's also probably a lot easier at smaller airports, like at our Denver International Airport. They had problems with the A-Line RTD train going out there. They had problem with the concourse trains going between the ABC concourse, getting people to and from the trains, planes. Uh, they had security waits of 45 minutes. They, it was just jam-packed crowded. I would much rather have gone down to Colorado Springs. Fly out of there. That's fair. Those smaller airports, fewer flights, fewer people to deal with. Exactly. Well, anyway, a driver in Vancouver took distracted driving to a whole new level, Joseph. He mounted an iPhone and a tablet to his steering wheel because he said he needed both hands to steer and shift the five-speed manual transmission. Well, but then you have to look <laughs> down. Like, why wouldn't you just put them right on the windshield in front of you so but you could just, at least keep a, a normal neck instead of lowering your neck and worsening your posture? See, that's what I do. I just have it right there stuck under the windshield. He said it, it, maybe if maybe if he had an automatic transmission, he, he would have been fine. <laughs> Vancouver police pulled him over after an officer spotted the driver wearing headphones. He was given an $81 violation ticket for not being able to produce his driver's license. But he did not get the distracted driving ticket, which carries a fine of $368, along with those four driver penalty points. Apparently, the officer decided that educating the driver about the devices would be a more effective approach than writing him a ticket. The headphones are slightly more concerning than the devices, because you can look up from the devices, but you can't like shut on and off headphones that quickly. You no. know, it just completely diminishes what you're able to take in around you. And they say because you can't hear emergency sirens and that yep. sort of thing. And earlier this week, Vancouver police, they say they handed out a $368 ticket to a driver caught playing Pokemon Go in traffic. Are still people still playing that stupid thing? I mean, even if they are, so what? <laughs> Cut, cut the price of that ticket, man. If you're sitting in traffic and you're stopped and you're playing Pokemon Go, poke away. Poke away. Perfect. Yeah, there you go. There's your sound bite. <laughs> poke away. <laughs> Japanese trains are proud to be extremely punctual, right? But last week, a train in Tokyo was a touch-off schedule. There's supposed to be a northbound train that leaves a station near Tokyo promptly at 9.44 a.m. However, this one train instead left 20 seconds earlier than it was supposed to. Before the day was done, the train company's management issued an official apology 
Part of the statement says we deeply apologize for the severe inconvenience imposed to our customers. Now, I don't think anyone in the United States would have even had any clue that a train was 20 seconds off schedule. But in Japan, they say it does make a difference. Let me explain why. Because Japanese trains are so punctual, some people plan their commutes so that they arrive at the platform just as the cars are pulling up. Many others even synchronize their watches with the clock at their local train station. So it stands to reason, then, that at least a few people would would miss a train if it left 20 seconds earlier than it's supposed to. And even if there's another coming train, let's say in three or four or five minutes, adding four minutes to that leg of their commute might cause them to miss another transfer on their way to their destination. And that effect could snowball enough that they end up being late for work or school, and it could have changed how many people are on the next train and the next train and the next train. And so you see that one butterfly effect of the 22nd early train. Well, and that's just it. I mean, this is definitely a problem in America, too, especially on the bus system where, you know, you're lucky sometimes if those buses are running within five minutes either direction of when they're supposed to be there. Um, but Americans are lazy and don't care enough to call and complain about it, and so you don't have the inter- the national incident that this J- Japanese bus had. And even if it's not the sort of mistake that absolutely demands an apology, there's, there's really nothing wrong. I, I guess there's something admirable about taking a moment to say sorry for a problem that the early departure may have caused somebody. I actually feel bad for the poor sap of the Metropolitan Inner City Railway Company who got reamed out by his boss, because you know in Japan... They tend to take these things pretty seriously and their jobs pretty seriously. And there, you know that some guy that allowed that train to go early just got his butt reamed. Yep. And might have even, I don't know if he lost his job, but might have been threatened with it. It might have been a, all right, that's one strike and then another one, you're done. You know, I don't know. In 2011, a couple of guys in Europe, they launched this, uh, comp- this company. It's actually an app. It's called Snappy Car. It's something that they call Airbnb for cars. It's an app for car owners to rent out their vehicles. It's kind of like how you would uh, rent out a room or your house or whatever for on Airbnb. And right now they say they are 10% on the way to their goal of 500,000 cars shared. They're the second largest uh, car sharing app behind the European market leader, Drivey. So the guys running Snappy Car, they say that most uh, challenging thing for a business like theirs is to get car owners to share their car. And that, that, that's why I wouldn't want to do it. I, I know how terribly people treat their own car, and they treat rental cars even worse. So I, I wouldn't be sharing my Volt. No, absolutely. And, and like literally never in a million years. You could convince me to do a lot of things with my car. And if it was a self-driving car, sure, why not? Use it as a pod to pick other people up. But for somebody else to get behind the wheel, adjust my driver's seat, adjust the mirrors, take my car wherever the heck they feel like going, no, I'm good. Yeah, because I think services like Zipcar or Car to, car to Go is a more palatable option. Absolutely. Uh, because you're, you're sharing a car owned by a company and not by some rando person. There's a similar app and a service like that here in the United States, and it's called Turo. Have you ever heard of Turo? No, I have not. All right. So, so here's how Turo says it works out. You, you rent out your car on this Turo app, okay? You create this free listing with a few clicks, they say. You describe your car, upload some photos, and you're ready to go. Be sure to keep your calendar up to date so travelers know when your car is available. You'll get notified when someone requests or books your car instantly. Confirm or decline the trip as soon as possible and contact the traveler if you have any questions. Coordinate where and when you'll meet your guest. Check their license, walk around the car, check the fuel and mileage, and then send them off on their adventure. That's how they say Turo will work. Then Turo says, quote, 
Rest easy, Turo covers your car with $1 million in liability insurance and 24-7 roadside assistance throughout the trip so you can just watch the dollars roll in. Yay. (laughs) They had some very fine print to that statement. They say the liability insurance and roadside assistance only apply to car owners who enroll in a protection plan provided via Turo. Owners who provide their own commercial renter's insurance and offer insurance directly to their customers will not be covered by the above-mentioned protection. Now, when the rental is over, you're supposed to meet your guests, you make sure everything's in order, and then head on home. Don't forget, they say, to rate and review your guests in the app to help keep the marketplace strong and honest. Because Turo says on their site, they screen each traveler, so then you, the renter, uh, a renter if you have a car and you're renting it out, can be confident then when you hand over your keys to somebody that you're not handing it over to somebody who drives for like Uber um, and and is a convicted felon or, you know, has DUIs or whatever, like we talked about earlier. Um, They say your car is protected against physical damage up to its cash value for a collision and most comprehensive causes, including theft. And there's a ton of coverage options that are available to people who rent out their cars. And most expensive option, of course, It'll cut into your profits, but it offers the most protection. They have 17 articles on their insurance and the plan and how it works and, and how it covers you in the car. And it, and it's it, it, there's a lot of stuff to cover in there. And it almost seems like it's too much of a hassle to do that, to rent out your car. They also have a full list of articles about the rental process, which seems to me might be a little bit easier and more um, doable for this Turo deal. And how you rent your car and all that's entailed in that. So I found a blog that describes the Turo experience. And this is what this person says. He says, I thought my trip with Turo was a great experience that was definitely worth it. I got to drive one of my dream cars for a relatively cheap price without much hassle at all. Selecting the car and the booking, it felt a lot more seamless than normal car renting. And meeting with the actual owner was a lot more social than meeting with the front desk person at a rental agency. How does this company background check people? I mean, I was just looked at their terms of service and it said they have they reserve the right to but do not have an ab- obligation to run background checks on anybody who signs up to drive other people's cars. So we I mean, we literally just talked about Uber not running background checks on drivers. And now you're talking about another ride sharing company that may or may not be subjecting drivers of your personal vehicle yes to a background check? Are you kidding me? Yeah, that's that, yeah, exactly. Now, the question was, how much did Turo cost me? The rental price was $78 a day. That seems a little, but he was driving some BMW, so I think that's why it was costing a little bit more. There's a 10% Turo fee, which costs $780. The basic insurance protection, $11.70. Fuel, which was $20.74. So the total cost for him to rent for a day, a BMW, was $118.24. He says, I paid for a specialty car, so the cost of my trip was a lot higher than it would have been. If I had rented an ordinary economical car, most of the listings on Turo range from $20 to $50, which closely matches typical rental agency prices. Turo's strengths. Huge variety of cars, from economy to sport to luxury. Easy to shop around and find a car nearby. Everything is done online on a clean, easy-to-use site. Feels more fun and personal than normal rental services. Sure, I could see that. Okay, because you're dealing with a person and their car, and and you're also going to be a, have access to uh, cars you would normally not have access to at any rental car agency. Turo's drawbacks: 
Finding the car and coordinating with the owner may be more work than normal rentals. Insurance and protection doesn't feel as open and secure as other rental agencies. Some nickel and diming for pickup and delivery. Not always easy to tell if you're getting a good deal. Hidden costs. The protection plan, fees, delivery, and gas add up. But this is true for other rental agencies, too. That's absolutely true. I mean, if you ever rented a car and not got slapped with 60 to $200 of hidden fees when you went to check out well, ever in the, your lifetime? I know. There's like these airport concession fees, and then there's this other fee. And you know what? You'll see it a lot when you'll see legislatures, especially city governments, what they'll do is when they're doing their taxes, they will throw on extra tea, extra taxes and fees on rental car companies because they know that the visitors are going to pay them and there's really nothing they can do about not paying them. They have to pay them because right. they need that car. Uh, and, and so, unfortunately, that's where a lot of those taxes go. Um, I when Because I have American Express, a, a card that I pay every time – I rent a car. So your, your rental your rental car, usually if you pay with a credit card, is covered as like a secondary rental insurance with your credit card. Right. But I have this thing where it pays. It's a separate insurance policy. So I pay 20 bucks every time I rent a car, and it covers the entire rental. And it basically covers the car completely. Interesting. So okay. it takes the place of my personal insurance. And then so that insurance covers my personal insurance, and then the credit card covers the rest if there was anything else after that. Okay. Um, it's actually a pretty good deal for me, so that's why I always decline the insurance there uh, whenever I rent a Very car. Very sensible. Very. I, li- I like. I like where your head's at with that. So uh, on this blog, the last question was: Should you try Turo? If you're planning to rent a car soon, I definitely make an account and check out Turo to see what kind of deal you can get in your area. You'll find tons of options, and it is a better experience than traditional rental agencies. If you're a car lover, definitely try it. It's the easiest way to test drive your dream car. And speak with real owners who can tell you what owning a specialty car is really like. So there you go. Might be a better option for something over, let's say, driving uh, a Lyft or an Uber, taking that stuff around. You get your own rental car for a day, and you can drive something maybe unique, something interesting. I mean, that's how they sold me on it. Okay, I can rent a Jaguar from some guy for a couple days, you know what I mean, or something interesting like that. But the flip side is, what if I want to go rob a bank? And I'm, like, renting my well, getaway sure. vehicle on Turo. Well, they did that background check on you, Joseph, so they have all your pertinent information. I'm telling you, man. They, they, we'll see with this company. And maybe you'd make more money renting out your car than if you were driving for, you know, that same car for Uber or Lyft. I think that would, again, go to the quality of the car. And also, I mean, this is a lot more passive, right? You drop yeah. the car off with them, which is a process. But after that, a lot of the work is done, and you're making a lot more money than you would by making four or five trips on Uber or Lyft. Yeah, I, I would think so, too, um, because we've talked a little bit. Uh, maybe we have talked about it. I've done some research on how much you actually make let's say, per hour driving for Uber or Lyft, and it's it's really in that 10 to $12 range. Right. After all your costs and fees and uh, all the wear and tear and, and the gas and all that stuff that you have to deal with, you get a little bit uh, you know, in tips, but it's usually about 10 to $12. Bucks. Yep. So, and that's per hour. You, you might make more money doing this, and it would be about the same wear and tear, maybe even a little bit less well, on your car. And again, less time for you. Yeah. You, you know, you're talking about and one hour dropping back, a car right. off instead of eight hours ferrying And then you could go do something else and yep. then earn more money. Your car is earning money for you, too. Well, what about this? What if you rent one of those cars, somebody else's car, and then you drive for Uber or Lyft with that car? They already do that. <laughs> Uber already does that, right? They partnered up with a couple dealerships, and they're like, hey, rent this car, and then work for us to pay off that car that you just rented. Yeah. 
I, I, I guess that's with all the other options. I mean, maybe, maybe <laughs> that's the way to do it. I don't know. One big difference I saw was drivers with the Turo. You can be 21 and and rent one of these cars because usually it's 25 for the regular car uh, rental agencies. Let's go back to my dream of renting a Beamer from Turo and then just doing like 150 on the highway. You know what I mean? Like well, just yeah. burning out on that son of a gun. Like I did with my uh, older brother's uh, Porsche 9. Uh, 944 when he had one? Yes. Or like oh, I did with my we were, first car, a Nissan Quest minivan. Yeah. We, I took So he lets me, he wants me to dr- test drive this thing. And we're driving up Georgia 400 north of Atlanta. And this is before there was stuff up there. And, <laughs> and we're, and so, you know, I'm getting up to 75, 80, 90. And, he, and I look at him and he looks at me and he goes, Yeah, go ahead. And so I hit the gas and off we go. I think I got up to 120 <laughs> or so, okay. 120 something. I don't know. It's been a long time, so I think the statute of limitations is is done on this. Basically, we're just trying to lay out the case for why you shouldn't rent your car on Turo, man. Because yeah, that's... <laughs> you have a jackball like me right. going 125, driving it on the U- Utah highways. Perfect. <laughs> There's nothing else to do in Utah. You may as well go 120 the whole way. Exactly. Well, that's about it for this Thanksgiving edition of the Driving You Crazy podcast. Thank to every uh, each and every one of you for supporting the podcast, for taking a listen, for downloading it, giving us any of those uh, comments there on iTunes. We appreciate all the support we've had over the last year for this podcast, and we hope for many, many more. So happy Thanksgiving to one and all. Happy holiday season to you, Joseph. Hey, to you too, man. And, uh, and we'll be back again next week, I think. Won't we? Yeah. I'll be off the next couple of days. Well, happy holidays to you. I'll be here for the next couple of days, so uh, watch the news. <laughs> you can watch it online, too, at the denverchannel.com. Great website. Yes, it is a great website, but, and I don't think they're sponsored by um, Ron Apple Slacks. I think they're sponsored by a lot of different things. We, we That's a conversation for another podcast. Oh, <laughs> Maybe so. Uh, anyway, so because, yeah, you know, we, we might be get uh, Ron Apple to sell his slacks. You know, you know, <laughs> anyway, thanks again for listening. Thanks again for being here. Until next time, I'm Jason Luber, the traffic guy. I'm Turo critic Joseph Peters. Be safe, and as always, happy motoring. Happy motoring.